I invite you to open this morning to the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, It occurs to me that oftentimes during the Advent season, we touch a lot of these Christmas stories. We touch a lot of the texts about the incarnation of God, and rightfully so. But this year we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to touch a lot of them. We're going to anchor in one of them. And over the next several Sundays, we're going to be studying Luke chapter 2. This morning, specifically, we're studying one verse. And we are going to be looking this morning. If you have your notes in front of you, you see that the title is The Angelic Command. And this morning, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And as we prepare our hearts to read God's Word together, I do just say to you, if you don't have a copy of scripture and you'd like one, I would love the opportunity to give you a copy of the Bible. I know a lot of people this morning are looking at it on their tablets and cell phones. They have it digitally, which is awesome. But if you want a printed copy and you don't have one, see me before you leave this building today. I would love to give you a copy of God's Word. Uh, This morning, Luke chapter 2, let's begin reading in verse 8. We'll start in verse 8, finish somewhere around verse 20. Uh, This is God's Word. It says, In the same region there was shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. That means they had the night shift. And an angel of the Lord, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, this morning, dear friends, you have before you the copy of the notes. And you see that we're starting with an important question. Who do the angels think they are to just show up? And start barking commands. Uh, Most of you in here uh, may not have ever thought about it this way before. But perhaps some of us in here struggle with being told what to do. Maybe some of us this morning here in this room don't really like being told what to do. 
Perhaps some of us here this morning, or if you're online with us this morning, greetings and welcome to you. Maybe some of you online. Uh, Maybe you've had an experience in your life where you're just doing your thing. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up and starts telling you what to do. And your thought is, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? I mean, if we're being honest, that's the very first thing that the angels did. They showed up and they started not asking questions, but making demands of the shepherds. The question is, who do the angels think that they are? I want to answer that before we move on, because it's an important Theological point. Angels are messengers from God. So it isn't in the angels' own authority that they show up and decide that they're just going to start bossing people around. No, they are bringing a heavenly message to the shepherds. And so insofar, and we don't know that this happened, but insofar as the shepherds would have thought to themselves, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? The answer would have been a messenger from the living God. And I think it's important for us to remember that as we begin this Advent season of seeking to comprehend what the angels were telling the shepherds, we need to be cognizant that the message they brought wasn't their own. It was a message from the very living God of heaven and earth. And they show up during the night shift And they start telling the shepherds what to do. Specifically, they made two commands. I want to share them with you this morning. Not only because I want you to know what they are. It's important historically for us to know what happened that night shift when the shepherds were keeping watch over the sheep. And all of a sudden the angel of the Lord showed up. But I think that we'll also find something for ourselves along the way. I think that we will find some points of application as we focus on the two angelic commands that this angel of the Lord delivered to the shepherds working the night shift. The first command is to not be afraid. This morning... Brothers and sisters, dear friends, we're studying simply and only verse 10 of this entire scripture that we looked at this morning. And it begins in verse 10. If you'll look with me in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, it says, And and the angel said to them, Fear not. I don't know what translation you have. Maybe your translation says, do not be afraid or do not fear. Or if you have the ESV, fear not. The question is, why would an angel of the Lord have to say that to the shepherds? Well, if you look just before that verse, like the very last thing that verse 9 tells us, is that these guys were filled with fear. They were terrified. And you may ask yourself, why? Why were these shepherds afraid when an angel of the Lord shows up? Well, I was watching videos on my phone the other day. You know how it gets sometimes where you just slip into this mindless scrolling of videos on your phone? I was doing that. And I came across this video... At the time, I didn't know what I was looking at. It just starts with this 
lady who you come to find out is the wife of the man that's in the driver's seat. The lady is sitting there in the passenger seat. She's giggling. Now, you don't know why. But they pull over on the side of the road. She's laughing. He's saying, why are you taping this? Probably didn't say taping. That's somebody who grew up in the 80s that would use the word taping, right? Why are you videoing this? She's, she's giggling. A cop walks up. He'd been pulled over. That's what she's doing. She is taping or videoing. Him getting a ticket is what it looks like. So uh, the, the, the officer of the law pulls up. The man rolls his window down. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I'd like to see your license and registration, please. So the driver is, <coughs> excuse me, he's very polite. Yes, sir. He gives him whatever he's asking for. He says, wait here while I uh, go and, and run some checks. He goes back to his police car. Again, the guy to the lady, why are you taping this? <laughs> She's laughing. You know, like this is funny to her. The, 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 the husband is getting a ticket and she's laughing about this. Well, the cop comes back up. You know what it feels like when, you, when you're in the driver's seat. So I've heard it feels like <laughs> it feels like four hours, right? It's really like 30 seconds or two minutes or whatever. But anyway, the, the police officer finally comes back and the police officer says to the driver, uh, sir, I'm going to give you a, a warning this time. And the driver's kind of puzzled at this point because he didn't think he was driving and uh, uh, he didn't think he was speeding. And he's like, well, what, what am I getting a warning for? And, and the cop says to him, listen, sir, uh, the next time that you're driving an automobile with a child in it, you need to have a, kid, a child seat in the back. You need to have it in there and securely fastened. And the guy's so puzzled. He's, he's like, what? He's like, officer, I don't... You know, like he knew there was no kids back there, but he turned just to make sure. He's like, I don't have any kids. <clears throat> and the cop just kind of like chuckles for a second. And he says, well, that's not what your wife in the passenger seat uh, has told us. And it was a total setup. It was a pregnancy announcement. She had set her husband up to go through this whole thing. He turns to look at her with this really confused look on his face. And she's holding the test. <laughs> And you can see, like, his brain trying to get there, going, wait a second. This whole scene started with an officer behind me with his party lights going, right? Pulling me over. I think I'm getting a ticket. All of a sudden, it turns into good news. What? You could see how confused he was. So then, you may be thinking to yourself, Zach, you've been sick. Uh, Why are you telling this story? Are you well? I am, well, I'm not, but I, I, I tell you this story because I think it's an important connection point for us to understand why these shepherds may have been fearful. If you go back and read the Old Testament, usually when an angel of the Lord showed up, it was to deliver a word of judgment, a word of discipline, A word of chastisement. So when these shepherds are working the night shift and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears. And you know that an angel, I mean the very word angel means messenger. That's what the word angel means. So you know they're bringing a message. And if you think historically and contextually, the shepherds must have thought this is not going to be good. And all of a sudden it is. All of a sudden... The angel says, do not be 
afraid. Do not fear. Why would they be afraid? Well, for one reason, because historically, when the angel of the Lord appeared, they were bringing a word of judgment. But also, if you look in verse 9, it's very clear that it's an intimidating situation. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of God shone all around them. This was a visually spectacular moment. You could just see the glory of God shining on these angels. That would have been intimidating. They're saying, oh my goodness, there's an angel here. Well, the last time an angel of the Lord showed up to people, it wasn't good news. That's why the angel needed to tell them, don't fear. Now, maybe this morning, you're not facing an angel of the Lord with the glory of God shining all around. That's not the source of your fear. But I want to ask you this morning to check in with yourself and see if maybe not you're carrying some fear with you in your life. Maybe not because you've seen an angel. Maybe not because you've come face to face with one that has the glory of the Lord shining all about. But could it be that today some of God's people are carrying fear with them? And if so, what's it from? You see, I believe that in a very real way, we can hear the voice of the angel making the command to the shepherds to not be afraid. And we can ask, does that voice still echo for us today? And I believe that we can answer yes. Perhaps today you're living in fear. Perhaps today you're carrying fear. Perhaps today you are the spitting image of the shepherds in verse 9 when it says they were filled with fear. I want to share with you this morning three reasons that people who belong to Christ Jesus, people who are followers of the Lord, people who are in the people of God, three reasons you don't have to live with fear. If you're making notes this morning, I'm going to give you these three words. Today, yesterday, and tomorrow. I want to share with you why those three words are relevant when we think about God's people not having to live with fear. Now, this morning, I want to share with you, next to the word today, I want to share with you two scriptures. One is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. In that, the author of the book, the author of the letter, writes something profound. He says, His divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Now, I want to say that to you again. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. For His divine power has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Here's what I want you to hear from that scripture this morning. You, 
If you're in Christ, not, not just if you believe in God, not just if you're a religious person, if you have put your faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, like if you are a child of God, I want you to hear me. Where you sit now, you have been given everything that you need to face the day. His divine power has given past tense. If you're in Christ, you have everything that you need. You are empowered. You are equipped to face everything that you will face today. If if you're asking the question, why can I live without fear? The answer is because as you sit here this morning, you have everything that you need to live for Christ today. Now, there's another passage that I want to share with you. It's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's acknowledging to them that temptation will come. He is telling the church, listen, you're going to be tempted. All right. At some point in your followings of Christ, uh, you're going to be tempted. You may not be tempted with this. It may be this and it may not be this. It may be that. But uh, if if you live on planet Earth, you can understand what I'm telling you. Even God's people slash especially God's people face temptation on a regular basis. Paul is acknowledging that to the church and he's saying, but here's what you need to know. There is no temptation that you will face that God hasn't empowered you with a way of escape. Again, the point being that as you sit here today, you need nothing more than what God has already gifted you with and empowered you with to live for Christ for today. So that's why I say that the word today is an important word as it relates to not living in fear. Yesterday, some of us carry the weight and the baggage and the shame and the regret of what we did yesterday or yesteryear or before we were children of God, we we're ashamed of who we were. And if you are, I want you to make this note. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. And he will forgive, not a little bit, the scripture says, all. So I know that before Christ, you were not living as a saint, and nor was I. And when we think back to those days, we think, ugh. And sometimes the shame of what we did yesterday, yesteryear, can creep into our lives we can start living these non-victorious lives because we're so embarrassed of who we were back then. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to live in that because you've been forgiven of that. You've been cleansed of that. You've been washed of that. Does that make it good? No. But does that mean you have to be gripped with the shame Of who you were before Christ redeemed you. No, you don't. You don't. Why do I not have to live in fear? Because today, I have everything I need from God to walk with Him. And because when I look back in my history, and I see the things that I'm not proud of and that I'm ashamed of, 
I know that that's under the cross. And when I look to the future, which is the third word I asked you to write down. When I read into the future. In fact, if you're making notes, would you write down Revelation 20? Some of us are afraid to read Revelation. Did you know that? Some of us think, well, I don't want to read Revelation. That's a scary, scary, scary book. No, not for the child of God. It's not. For the child of God, it is like what the angel said to the shepherds. Good news of great joy. Revelation 20 tells this glorious, beautiful story of God putting everything back. Redeeming and restoring. Renewing. Creating anew. Why do the children of God not have to live in fear? Because today you have what you need to walk with God. And when you look back and you see the things that you're not proud of, you can trust that that's under the blood of Christ. And when you look forward into the future and you say, what is going to become of this mess that we call planet Earth? You can know the answer to that. The living God will bring restoration, healing, and redemption. So I don't have to live in fear. That doesn't mean that I don't go through hard things, nor does it mean that you don't go through hard things. You may have important decisions, difficult circumstances, hardships, and brokenness that you're living in right now. I don't minimize that in your life. What I'm saying is you can face it. Without fear. Could it be. That the opening. Demand and command. That the angels delivered to the shepherd that day. Is relevant for us. Oh yeah. I think so. Fear not. The second command that he made. Was behold. Now if you are a regular here at the fellowship, maybe you've already come to appreciate this word, behold. It's an important little theological word because it is a word (coughs) that calls, commands, and demands us to give our undivided attention and focus to something. It, It means, in other words, like when we sang that last song that we sang this morning, and behold him. It means, I'm not just going to give Jesus a passing glance. I'm not just going to think for a moment about the Lord. I am going to give Jesus my undivided focus and attention. That is what behold him means. It's the metaphorical snap. Are you ever talk to somebody and you don't think they're paying attention? And they're like, hey. Pay attention here. Has anybody ever snapped at you? You're like, well, who are you to snap at me? Well, pay attention and I'll stop. Maybe growing up, your parents snapped at, hey, I grew up in a church where you get caught talking during the sermon and you will get snapped at. Back there, you want to come up and sit on the front? This was us. We would slide down in the pew. We would get snapped. Behold. Right? Pay attention to what I'm saying that the preacher is talking about. No, that's what it means when when the angel says to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Behold. What, What the angel is saying is, if you have ever paid attention to anything in your life, you need to pay attention in this moment right now. 
you need your undivided attention to what I'm about to tell you. Now, I get a sneaking suspicion that the angel didn't have to tell them twice. Like, I just think that when the angel of the Lord shows up and the glory of God is shining all around him and he says, Behold, I'm pretty sure that the shepherds might have thought, We already are beholding, right? Like, what's going on here? But maybe we need to be told that. Maybe we need to hear over and over and over, Behold. The incarnation of God. Not because we're bad people. But because we're busy. Because when we look at our schedule, our anxiety starts to rise. Because when we look at our text messages, we've got all of these that we need to get back to. When we look at our missed calls, we've got so many. Oh, I need to call this person back. I've got to be here tomorrow. I've got to do this. And, and maybe it's, it isn't that we intentionally miss what God is doing around us and in us. Maybe, maybe it's that we're so busy looking at other things and attending to other things. And maybe good things. Maybe if you were to open your calendar and look at everything that you have for next week, they're all good. I'm not saying they're sinful or they're immoral or that you should feel guilty about them. I'm just saying that sometimes there's so much stuff crowding our life that we need to hear the echo of the angel saying, Behold, the God who came near. We need these reminders. I think the shepherds were beholding. I think they were locked in. But I think that the tendency or the propensity for you and I to let this whole Advent season pass us by where we're running like a hamster on a wheel and we never stop and behold the Lord Jesus Now, there is something that I can see happening. And so I say to you, dear friend, I say to you, my brother, my sister, pause and behold him. Two short, succinct, concise commands that have incredible relevance for you and I today. Two commands, fear not and behold. Now, if you have your notes in front of you, you see that in addition to examining the two angelic commands, we're also going to study just for a moment the characteristics of the message. The two characteristics of the angel's news. As I've said to you, We're only looking at verse 10. Here's what's interesting about verse 10. Verse 10 is the announcement that there's about to be an announcement. That's what the angels, if you stop and diagram what's going on here, the angels show up, the angel shows up to the shepherds, says, listen, don't be afraid. 
Pay attention. I'm about to tell you something. And it's a good something. And it's for all people. That's, that's what the angel says. There's two specific characteristics of the pre-announcement. All right? And the first characteristic is that it's good news that should bring great joy. And this is the reason, this is the very foundational reason that the angel can look at the shepherds and say, do not fear. Why? Because I'm not bringing bad news. I'm not bringing a word of judgment. I'm not bringing a word of devastation. I am bringing good news that will bring great joy. Now, what is the good news? Maybe you're here today and and church is kind of new for you. Maybe you're here today and, and the Christian faith is something that you haven't really given a ton of thought to. And you're singing these great Christmas songs and... God is doing something in your heart. You're trying to process what all is going on and why do I feel so moved? Then you hear me say that the angel says that this is good news and you're thinking, what's so good about it? I want to share with you why it's good news. I'm going to try to do it in one sentence. Here it is. God took action when we could not to restore peace between God and myself. That's the good news. God took action when I could not to restore peace between God and myself. You said, why did Jesus come. Why do we have the incarnation of God? Why did baby Jesus be born in the first place? Because God took action when I could not to create peace between God and myself. Can you imagine getting to be the angel that delivers this news to the shepherds for the first time? Have you ever had news that you just couldn't wait to share with somebody? Have you ever, have you ever been in that position where you have this bit of news that's really going to brighten somebody's day and you're thinking, I can't wait to call them. I can't wait to text them. I can't wait to email them. I can't wait to get home to share this news. I can't imagine having the awesome privilege that the angel of the Lord had when he got to deliver this news, but he delivered the pre-news, the pre-announcement, and he says, listen, I bring good news of great joy. And the second thing, that we see about this pre-announcement is that whatever's happening is good news for all people. Fear not. Behold, I bring good news of great joy for all people. What's the significance of that? Well, Here's what the angel was saying to the shepherds. This good news is not 
simply and exclusively only for the Jewish people. This good news is for all people, no matter what ethnicity, nationality, demographic, socioeconomic status, no matter where you were born or where you live, the angel is saying to these shepherds, this is good news for all people. I think it's important for us to remember that the gospel isn't a gospel for a nationality, for a demographic. If the gospel is going to be gospel, then it must be gospel for all people. And I find it's so interesting and provocative that the angel would make that a part of his pre-announcement. I am about to deliver good news that is for all people. Now, as we conclude this morning, I want to take the phrase for all people and I want to do something with it that will help us feel what the angel was communicating. I want to ask you to think about all the people you know. That's hard. I want your memory to just search through the memory banks of the people that you know. I want you to see their faces. And I want you to start identifying people in your life that you love that does not have a relationship with this Jesus that we've been singing about today. The message is good news for all people. Maybe there's people in your life. Certainly there's people in your life that you know and care about. They may be people that you work with or people maybe even in your family. Students, classmates maybe. People in your life who have never put their faith and their trust in this Jesus that we've been worshiping today. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. When you go to work tomorrow or students, when you go to school tomorrow, there probably isn't going to be an Advent candle that's been lit that represents hope. Do you realize that for so many people in your life, you are the candle? They don't have an Advent candle in their home. It's not at your work. It's not at your school. It's not in your block. Like your cul-de-sac doesn't have the Advent wreath with the candles. For some people, the only candle of hope they're going to see this Christmas season is not this one, it's you. And I want for us to think about that before we close. Because the angel says to the shepherds, I'm bringing you good news 
of great joy for all people. What that means is the people in my life and the people in your life need to know of the hope that we have in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to close this morning just by spending some time praying for the people in your life. Because I ask you just to think through everybody that you know and who is it? And this person's walking with God, praise God. And as I think of this person in my life, they love the Lord, praise God. But but eventually I am going to get to a face that's far from God. And I don't want my life to just be a life that comes in this room and lights a candle and celebrates in here and then when we go back out, nobody can look at me and know that I love Jesus. I want to be the candle of hope for the people outside of this building. And So I want for us to just think about who in our circle of people needs to know the Lord Jesus in a personal way. And we're going to pray for those people as we close this morning. I invite you to bow with me if you would. And right where you sit, we're just going to pray. For your friend, for your family, for your coworker, for your neighbor. I want to give you some moments to pray for the people in your life that desperately need to hear the message that the angel of the Lord brought to the shepherds. Would you take some moments? Would you pray? You may be new. To faith, and you may not really know how to pray for other people. You can pray something like this Lord, I want to pray for my friend. That they would know you in a personal way, and that you would use me to help that happen. simple would you pray right now for your family member that needs to experience the God who comes near would you pray for your co-worker that needs a life-changing interaction with the God who comes near. Lord, we're intrigued at the way that the message that the angel delivered to the shepherds working a night shift 2,000 years ago in another 
country on the other side of the planet can be so relevant to us this morning. The command, Lord, to not fear and to behold is arresting to us this morning. We confess and admit to you, O Lord, there are many things that our hearts and minds have to process and deal with on a regular basis. And it is so easy to be filled with fear. But we choose to remember that you have empowered and equipped us. We do not have to fear. We acknowledge and admit and confess, O Lord, that we are a busy bunch. We get distracted easily. We hear the echo of the angel's command down through the ages to stop and behold. And so, O Lord, as we take a step into Advent season, we behold you. We commit to doing that, Lord, on busy days, to pause and to rest and to put our undivided attention on you, the God who comes near. We pray for our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates that you would use us this Advent season to impact their lives, to help them take one step closer to putting their faith and trust in you. Lord, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we don't do it right all the time, but we're available to you. We desire, oh God, to be used as an instrument in your kingdom for those who are celebrating Christmas and don't even know why. We pray that you would help us to introduce them to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to you, the God who comes near. Thank you for a season to slow down and to behold Help us to do that as an individual, as a family, and as a church family. We give you our undivided attention and focus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.